Hi, and welcome to the Willow Ridge Church Weekly Podcast. This is where you can find audio for our current and past sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's installment, and be sure to check back next week to hear the latest message. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Glad that you guys, <clears throat> excuse me, are with us today. If you've got your Bibles with you, go and open them up to Ruth. Chapter 1 is where we are going to be. Uh, as you turn there, uh, it's the first Sunday of the month, and so we'll be taking the Lord's Supper together at the very end of the service together this morning. And so if you didn't grab your elements as you came in, please take the time now. Uh, head back to the back. You can grab some of those uh, for those those that came with you. And like I said, we'll give some instructions for those as, as we get there. Well, I'm excited uh, that we are now fully into, we're going to be going verse by verse through the book of Ruth over the next several weeks. Last week, we kind of did an introduction where we kind of hit some of the themes that we're going to work through. And then this morning, uh, as we just sang uh, that that song, it's a reminder of one of our themes that we're going to go through. So before we get to where we're going, I want us to kind of preface it with a little bit through the words of Jesus. And so I'm going to read to you um, out of Matthew chapter 7, I want to read uh, several verses as Jesus is teaching and he says this, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I read that passage to you before we get into to Ruth this morning, because I feel like there's this tension in the lives of, of those who profess themselves and call themselves to be believers and followers of Jesus Christ. And that for so many of us, where we come to is a conditional faith. Standing there thinking about this this morning, I've been in ministry now for whew, 21 years of my life. And as I've walked through ministry, what I, what I see so often in the lives of people who profess themselves to be believers is that when the rain comes, when the winds blow, when the floods rise, they check out. And they walk away. They desert. When we look at this passage of Scripture, there's the wise and the foolish. Different outcomes happen in their life. But the same thing happens to both of them. The storms come. Oftentimes, a garbage that is taught from pulpits that's embraced by many believers is that when we give our lives to the Lord, our lives become easy. If we're faithful to the Lord, then our lives will always be pleasant. That if we're truly devoted followers of Jesus Christ, then what comes our way is prosperity in its many different forms. But Jesus doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say that. And what we're gonna get into Ruth over the next four weeks definitely doesn't lead us there. That the storms come 
The rain falls. The wind beats. The flood rises. And what matters is the foundation. What matters is, is where our, our faith is, is rooted in. You see, it doesn't take away the storm, but it lets us press on through the storm, right? And so as we look at this, as we look at Ruth, like it's gonna cause us to wrestle with how we view ourselves. It's gonna wrestle with how we view our lives. And, and I'm gonna be honest with you, it's gonna wrestle with how we view the Lord. And we're gonna see his faithfulness. So let's start reading Ruth chapter one, starting in verse one, read verses one through five. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malan and Chilion, and they were Ephratites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. And these took Moabite wives. The names of one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about 10 years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the women were left without, so the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Let's pause there for, for a, a few moments. Well, these first five verses kind of set a tone. And I think we could all agree as we read through this, it, it, it's not a good tone. But I want to remind us what we're going to see, what we're going to experience, and what we're going to walk through over these four chapters. That even when the, when the beginning of this tone isn't good, we can be reminded of the faithfulness and providence of God both in and through sorrow. That what we're going to see in here is that even though we're in sorrow, even though we're going through sorrow, like, like we can all yes and amen, and we're going we're gonna to understand a, a little bit more of what's happening here in these first five verses. None of us are signing up for this intentionally. None of, this, none of us desire this. But what we will see is the faithfulness and the providence of God both in the sorrow and through the sorrow. So let's look at a handful of things from, from these five verses that help us understand exactly what is happening in this story. Well, the first verse tells us that the story of Ruth happens during the time of the Judges. Now, the, the book of Judges is the book right before this. And if you want to read through this in your quiet time, I would encourage you to do so as we journey through this. But, but the book of Judges largely is a time of failure for the people of Israel, for God's people. And as you read through the book of Judges, you will see a pattern that unfolds. And here is the pattern in simple terms. God's people sin, and then God in his justice gives them over to an enemy. And this nation, this people, rules over God's people, and then eventually God's people cry out to him to save them. 
And so God in his justice has turned them over, and now God in his mercy raises up a judge who delivers them and saves them. And if you've read through Judges, and I was thinking, I think it was a couple of years ago that we walked through that together as a church where we looked at the different judges uh, that God sends. What, what you see is that there's a season of peace until God's people fall into a pattern of sin, and then the process starts all over again, right? It, it honestly feels like doing laundry at my house, you know? Like, y'all know that feeling when all the hampers are empty? except for the clothes that you're wearing, right? that, that, that's the only dirty thing. And then the next day it's filled up and overflowing again, right? Like, where, how did we get back here, right? Like this feels like God's people, right? Just coming over and over and over again. So as we read through this, well, like know that this is the pattern that we're gonna see and that we're gonna experience in the people. But then also that it, that it tells us that there was a famine in the land, all right? I, I laughed at myself this morning because I, I, I thought of this. Erin uh, Aaron will laugh at me as well because she knows that I do stuff like this. So a few months ago, we realized that we needed pasta, all right? We needed spaghetti pasta. And I didn't care, angel hair pasta, thin pasta, thick spaghetti pasta, it didn't matter. We needed like a box of pasta. And so I go to the grocery store to get pasta. And I couldn't find it. I could find elbow macaroni, they had the multicolored corkscrew stuff. They had the lasagna. They had gluten-free, but not going there, right? But no spaghetti. And I panicked. I panicked. And I went to three different grocery stores. No spaghetti, no spaghetti, no spaghetti, no spaghetti, right? And then I went to another grocery store, and I found spaghetti. And I bought 12 pounds of it. Now... Not my greatest moment, right? Erin's nodding her head, right? She's like, yep, that's my husband, right? But, but that's what we do, right? In South Carolina, it's gonna get below 40 degrees with a slight chance of rain and try to find milk or bread at the store, right? It's gone. It's gone, right? Now, we live through moments of inconvenience in where we live. No greater struggle than not being able to find spaghetti, right? But they're going through famine. They're going through famine. Right? There's, there's discussions in, in, in the Bible and we can see things in, in different areas, even in the world in which we live, where, where famine means death. There's no food to eat and the people die. And we see from the very beginning on of this story that that's the the dynamic where that Naomi and her family, where they find themselves. And this is going to be an important piece. That, name, that Naomi, I believe, is, is, as she's walking through this, Naomi, who is living in the time of, of the judges, we don't exactly know when in that period of Israel's history that we find Naomi, but she knows the patterns and she knows God's word. In Leviticus 26, and I apologize, it's not on the screen, verses 3 and 4, God says, If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. 
Naomi knows who's bringing on the famine. You see, part of this story of what we're walking through is Naomi knows as she's going through these difficulties of what's there, she knows where the difficulties are coming from. The difficulties are coming from the Lord. And so from the very beginning, Naomi's going to struggle and and wrestle with this. And, and, And we wrestle with this as well. That even though things are bad, God is still in control. And that God even causes and uses things that we think are bad to draw us to him and to grow our faith. You see, God uses storms and rain and wind and floods to bring those into our life, to to draw us closer to him, to build our faith in him, and to lay our our, our roots in who he is. Our God is a God who both manages calamity and manages the rescue from it as well. We've got to understand this as we, as we read through Ruth. That this is the tension that we're going to see, the tension that we're going to feel. It's what they've experienced in, in, in Judges. Right? It continues on. So things are bad. So Naomi, with, with all of her family, they, they go to Moab. Now, God has said, stay away from places like Moab. And I'll talk about the, what some people have think and, and what we believe and what we feel like Scripture points to. Some people have used this a, a, as a racial dynamic. Like God says, do not go to Moab because of the mixing of the races that could exist. But it's not a race issue that we see. It's a religious matter. You see, Moabs were, were, were pagan in a common practice with God's people where they were holy and set apart, but yet they continued to intermarry within those that were pagans. And what would continually happen more times than not is those who were followers of the Lord would bring in the, the, the concepts of the pagans, right? It's what we saw as we walked through our, our series in 1 Corinthians of a, we're to be different, we're to be set apart. And so, so God says, don't go there, don't do this. And so as we're building through these first several things here, right? Things are bad for, for Naomi. There's this great famine in her, in her homeland. They're fleeing to a foreign country that says, God says, don't go. But then things get worse. If you feel like, like famine isn't bad enough, packing up and going to the land you're not supposed to go to as if it isn't bad enough. When they get there, things get worse. Elimelech or her husband's die. Her sons marry women. Now, we're going to see the redemption in this. But in this for Naomi in the beginning, her sons marry daughters that culturally they're not supposed to marry. Her sons die, and there's no children, no more of her own and none of theirs. And this happens over the course of 10 years. You're talking about like like a difficult stretch to go through. We're not talking about a bad weekend. We're not talking about a bad week. We're not talking about a bad year. We're not even talking about a bad season. We're talking about a bad decade. And we're time and time again what we see in the life of Naomi. Now, now if, if the story ended here, five verses in, right, <laughs> then there isn't much hope for the story. But, but the life of Naomi 
what we see in the book of Ruth is the reminder of the faithfulness and the providence of God in and through sorrow. And it's beginning the framework of the storm. It's given us the framework of the flood so that we can see all that God is going to do. Let's, let's talk about this life. Let's talk about your life. Let's talk about my life. Now, if we use comparisons, I would agree that the events of life are seemingly easier for some than others, right? Like, like we, we can all see that. We can see people who we feel like in their life, they've got it a little bit easier than us. And we see and we look at other people's whose lives and we recognize that, that we have it a little easier than them. But the truth of life is this, life is hard for everyone. All of us go through these battles, whether you're a believer or not. All of us walk through moments and days and weeks and seasons and years of difficulty. All of us walk through and experience that. And what we have to glean to as us as believers who are to be different in this world is this. Do we trust who God is during all of the seasons of life, during all of the decades of life, during all of the years of life, or the moment the wind blows, the moment the rain falls, the moment the flood rises, we go, no, I'm out. I'm out. Who are we going to be? And so do we trust God? But then also, and, and this is the part that we're going to begin to see in, in, in Ruth herself. Do we live as one who trusts God in all seasons? Do we live as the one who trusts God in all seasons? Like it's very easy for us to say, I trust the Lord. But is that the marking of our life? Is it the tangible evidence of who we are and what is there, Right? And so Naomi is a woman who is honest about her life. This is what I appreciate about her. Right? She is honest about her life and where she is with the Lord. Right? Right? She doesn't sugarcoat it. Right? So let's, let's look at what happens in, in verse 6. It says, And then she rose, arose with her daughters-in-law to return uh, from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So Naomi hears that 10 years later, right? The, the famine is over. So go to set, verse seven. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each of you to your mother's house that the, may the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Then the, the Lord grant you uh, that, that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. And then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. So, so let's kind of pause for, for a second. Not out of anger to her, to her daughters-in-law. Not out of spite. Like Naomi's not looking at them in, in anger, but, but out of love, she looks at Ruth, she looks at Orpah and says, like, your lives will be better if you stay here. So, so go have a family, go find new husbands, go be with your family, and, and kind of look at this day as a do-over, a restart, a refresh from, from, from where you've been 
and where I have to go. In verse 10, and they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And so what I want us to look at here is the reality of misery in the life of a believer. You have some things that, that Naomi is, is working with here. We're going to see the, the, the faith. We're going to see the belief. We're going to see all of these things from, from Naomi. But the reality is where she finds herself in this moment is it's stuck in misery. She's down. She's depressed. She feels lost and, and abandoned. And I don't know about you, but have you ever felt like like, like everybody just, just get away from me because everything I touch just falls apart. And Naomi, in the midst of her depression, in the midst of where she finds herself, this is, this is what she says, just, just stay away. Go, my daughters, go away from me. And we see the misery of Naomi. In spite of all that Naomi has experienced in her walk with the Lord, in spite of all that she has walked through in the past. She knows the story of the Exodus. She knows God's faithfulness. She knows who he is. She knows what he can do. In spite of all of that, she knows his mercy. She knows his faithfulness. She knows his miracles. She knows his promises. She knows his deliverance. She can't see beyond the last 10 years of her life. And she finds herself stuck there. The stories of the chapters of who God is are not what's fresh, and it's the reality that she's lived in. To go away. And I think it's important for us to remember that when times of struggle in our lives come, it doesn't change who God is. But the times that we face can change what we remember about him and how we see him. Right, as somebody that's walked through their own battles with, with, with depression and anxiety and the frustrations of this life, who's felt lost and abandoned and cast out, who's felt like he's being punished for the things that have been done. Like, like trust me, like you can walk through the times of struggle and it begin to affect all that you know, all that you've been taught, all that you've walked through, but it, but it can change what we remember about God and, and how we see him. And that's where we find Naomi. And so what we see in her in, in this is the perception of hope lost. Naomi thinks like it's done. There's no hope for my life. There's no future for my life. And if you come with me, then there's no hope. There's no future for you as well. Because hope for Naomi would be found in a son. And her husband is gone. Her sons are gone. She has no other sons. There's no grandsons. There's no hope and a future for that. And so for in that, her protection, her safety, her means to provide for herself, they're all gone. 
And that might seem weird for us. But we talked last week a little bit about a Jewish custom that I want to bring back up this week, known as the, the kinsman redeemer. And here was, was the custom, a little bit more fleshed out, and we'll look at it a little bit more in a couple of weeks. But, but the custom said that if a man died, then his brothers or a close family member was supposed to marry the widow in order to preserve the name of the dead man and to care for her. So when Naomi says to her daughters, like, like your sons are dead and I have no more sons, what she's saying is there's no hope for you in marriage. So you're going to be right where I am with just more years to live through it. And I say it's the perception because Naomi's depression and where she is has driven her. And she's forgotten about the Lord. She's forgotten about the option. She's forgotten about what God can do. She's forgotten about Boaz of what we're going to see. And so many times I find in the life of a believer that when we're walking through this seasons, the reality of what is truth before us creates within us a misleading perception that hope is gone. And so we live our lives claiming to trust, claiming to know all of who God is, but with the same mindset as Naomi. Look at verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, I love these words, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. So where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And my God, your God, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me. And more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And where we see in this moment, is Ruth's faithfulness. We talked about this last week, and just a little precursor before we get into this. It's the continual reminder that God is the hero of the story. God is the hero of the story. God's gonna do a work in Naomi. God's doing a work through Ruth. God's gonna paint a picture in the life of Ruth. God's gonna paint a picture in the life of Boaz and all that we're gonna see. But the hero of the story is the Lord. And what we're going to see as we break down, as we look through the, this, this covenant relationship that Ruth forms with Naomi here in, in this moment, it's going to remind us of the covenant relationship of what God has with us. So let's look at Ruth's faithfulness. She says to, to Naomi, I'm willing to leave my family. She says, if you're going, I'm going with you. There's no turning back. She embraces in this moment widowhood and childlessness forever. She knows or believes that there's no option for marriage for her. And she knows or believes that there's no opportunity for her to have a child. And she says this, where you die, I will die. I, I, 
Ruth's faithfulness goes beyond the death of her mother-in-law. It's not even, well, well, I'll go with you, and when you die, then I'll come back. No, the faithfulness of what she has, she says, when you die, there I'll die too. And your family will be my family forever. And then the beauty and the, the hope of this. Naomi had told Orpah to go back to her little G gods. But Ruth says, but my faith is in your God. In spite of all that we've gone through, in spite of all that we've experienced, in spite of all of the death and pain, and in spite of what no longer what we can understand of what awaits us when we return, my faith is in your God. Look at verse 18. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me? And the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. In this passage, Naomi gets a couple things right. She gets a couple things right. Number one, she acknowledges God exists. This is an important part for us to understand. There's not a moment in here where, where she denies the, the existence and the power and the nature of God. She understands that, that in the midst of all that's happened to her over the last 10 years, that God is God and that he exists. And then the second thing that she acknowledges that she gets right is God did not spare her. God didn't spare her. Her husband died. She walked through famine. She wandered into a foreign land. Her sons died. And now in the perception of where she goes forward, it's her and her daughter-in-law. And she's showing back up into her hometown with everybody else that I'm sure is running around with their kids and their grandkids. And everybody's looking at her and seeing. And she sees the prosperity of what everybody else is experiencing, of what everybody else is going through. And I don't know, but I feel like we're probably a little bit like Naomi. And she's probably thinking, well, I'm better, I'm better than them. Then why do I find myself where I am now. And she says, because God in his sovereignty, he didn't spare her. But here's what she gets wrong here in this. She's receptive to bitterness. She, she changes her name. And, and, and name changes are, are big in Scripture. You see, Naomi means pleasantness, right? It's a beautiful name, right? Like pleasantness within there. So as she left, that's who she was. 
But now she returns. And she's not pleasant anymore. She's now Mara, which means bitterness. And so she left as one who's pleasant, and she returns as one who's bitter. And that's going to be the tension that we see and that we experience. Now, we've seen from Ruth what Ruth does. And now we've seen through Naomi what Naomi does. And what we glean from, who both of them have walked through this season. Both of them have walked through these battles. Both of them have walked through these struggles. But what we find in Ruth is freedom. And what we find in Naomi is misery. So I want you to think through as you walk through these things of life, what are we, what are we identifying with? What are we drawing toward? The, the freedom of, of Ruth or the, or the misery of Naomi? They both, in essence, have the same life ahead. They've, they've both been dealt the same hand of cards. What they know awaits both of them without husbands, without sons, which means life without care and security and hope. But Ruth chooses freedom and chooses faithfulness. She grows. But Naomi chooses bitterness and victimhood, and it's what defines her and what marks her. You know, God gives you and I a lot of freedom to make choices. But so much of what happens in our life is out of our control. Amen? I can't control my wife, my kids, you, right? My neighbors, my coworkers, We can't control, we think we can. We have this false facade of hope, but we can't even control things within our lives, right? We can't even control things that are happening within us, right? Who here can control the weather, the family they were born into, the natural gifts that they were given? It it was funny, Joanne said to me this morning, sorry, Joanne, she said, how about I preach and you sing? Right? And, and, and I appreciate that, right? And here's what I believe. Like, I can sign up for lessons to sing, and it might improve, but it ain't going to be good, you know? It ain't going to be good at any point in time, right? I can't control that. This is the voice I was given, right? We can't control But what God understands, what we understand about the Lord is that he's in control. And here's what we begin to see and understand. We control how we respond to it. We control what we go through. You see, Naomi forgot about the years of faithfulness of God because of the last 10 years of struggle. Now, I feel like so many times in my life, I'll give her credit for the 10 years I feel like sometimes I forget about the years of faithfulness of God because of the last 10 minutes, right? The last 10 seconds in that last moment. But where God is. And so my prayer as we wrap this up here, my prayer for us this morning 
as we're going to go through and we're going to look at these chapters in this study. My prayer for you this morning is this, that no matter where you find yourself right now, no matter where you feel like this life has been led and where you are in it, no matter the choices you feel like you've made to get you where you are or the choices that you didn't make to get you where you are, that we can trust in the faithfulness and the providence of God. That we know that in all of it, that God's working in what God's doing. And when we find ourselves in a moment, in a day, in a season, in a decade of misery, right? We'll look to flee from the bitterness and cling to the Lord and deepen our faith through it. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you so much for this morning. God, in these words of your faithfulness, of who you are. Lord, as we look at this story, there's so much of what's there that points us to who you are. But today, Lord, we ask ourselves the question, where is our faith in and where is our hope found? Is it in you or in the circumstances of our life? Do we place our trust in ourselves or our trust in the one who promises to save us and to deliver us? The one who promises to use all things to grow us and strengthen us. Lord, may we cling to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Willow Ridge Church weekly podcast. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this week's message. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or explore additional resources, visit us online at www.willowridgechurch.com or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook and Instagram.